پردور پادکست Welcome back to the Pelador podcast. Ross is here with me as always. Ross, how are you getting on? Very good, Mick. How's yourself? Yeah, not bad. It's not bad at all. Um, and today, I'm delighted to be joined by one of the greatest footballers Limerick has ever produced. Mr. John Galvin is joining us. John, how are you? I'm good, Mick. How's Mick and Ross? Are you good? We're all good. Yeah. All good, John. Yeah. So we're just talking about fair how's life been for you last while? Everything going on? Yeah, I, well, I suppose I'm, the first thing is I'm farming. So, I mean, uh, things didn't change that much. We still had to go to work every day. Uh, unfortunately, my wife was very disappointed with that, that uh, there was a lot of other husbands at home minding kids and helping out, and uh, I wasn't. So, <laughs> But um, look, it's strange times. I mean, I suppose the biggest thing is there's, outside of work, there was so little to do. I mean, you can go for walks. There was, there was, I suppose, look, when there's no sports... Nothing, no sport round. We all kind of realise how much we actually did. Kind of, even if it was only uh, at the side of our eye watching, we did we did watch a lot of sport and did follow a lot of sport. And I I wouldn't be a massive uh, follower of even, you know, uh, the Premier League. But you know, you'd still talk about it. You still know what's going on and things like that. And you know, it's amazing how much how, how much you missed all those things, really. Yeah. So what what did you do to keep you busy? I mean, are you did you play club football still this year, or are you, are you finished completely, or? No, I uh, retired from club football last year. So I uh, I used to play basketball. Um, well, I, I sorry, I was I was playing basketball all last year. Um, we were into the the final stages of the season, into the semi-finals, and uh, the season was cancelled due to COVID. It was um, the end of March, so um, the weekend before the semi-final, the basketball was finished. So, and basketball is starting up now again. But look, I'm uh, 40 years old. I have a uh, uh, four, uh, nearly, nearly a six-week-old at home, and I suppose look, we're around. We're, I'm around Limerick. Case are picking up. I just wouldn't be that confident of going back into uh, that situation. I mean, basketball is very. You're you're very close. You're up with sweaty men, you know, right up in their face right now. I just wouldn't. Uh, with that, with what's going on at home, I wouldn't. Um, wouldn't be confident to do that at the moment. So yeah. as it stands, I'm doing nothing. I haven't actually even gone for a run since last March whenever the basketball season finished so nothing at all <laughs> but that was probably a good thing though to have the farming then as well I suppose you keep you busy every day you had a, something to do every day yeah look it is great and I mean farming farming has its stresses and everything like that but in the day I, I'm, I'm outside I'm, out, I'm outside most of the time I'm outdoors look I mean I know there's wet days and miserable days and all that but uh, I enjoy what I do so I suppose they say, if you enjoy what you do, you never do a hard day's work in your life. So I don't mind it. What type of farm are you doing, John? Uh, beef and tillage. So uh, we had a rough August. Uh, start of August was fairly wet. Uh, cutting corn was quite hard. But look, the last few weeks have made a massive difference. All the corn is cut. We have a couple of days off now. Well, we don't, we're still working, but I'm saying a couple of lead days and we go back into sowing corn again next week. So... It just uh, goes from one to the other. And are you doing that up in, in Cratlow or are you doing it down Croom? Uh, in Croom, I, um, I, I'm living in Cratlow since 2010. Um, married a woman from Cratlow and basically because I work long hours, she didn't want to be too far away from her mother and her friends. So we ended up staying in Cratlow. It was supposed to be for a couple of years. Ten years later, I'm still there. So <laughs> I don't think we're... I mean, 
bought owls and the up owls and everything out there. So I'm going over now. I'm one of the one of the locals. <laughs> You're stuck there now. Yeah, well, like, look, it actually it actually is a lovely place, and uh, I transferred my club to Cracklaw uh, in 2014, and I, I like this is, people laugh. I had to go to Clare to win a senior title, so I mean, on my first year with Cracklaw, we won we won the county title, which was great too. And uh, that's one thing I suppose you know the GA definitely moving into a new parish. Like the, I was there for four years before I transferred clubs, and I knew very few people. And in the space of a couple of months, I knew more people than my wife from Cracklaw. So, you know, this is, is great to get to know people and get, in, get involved in the club and the community as well that way. You had the, the Collins brothers and father down below as well? Yeah, sure. I'd, uh, Colin, Colin Collins was the one that uh, convinced me to transfer at the time. Uh, I suppose when, I, when we, we were waiting for our house, we were, we were doing up a house and uh, we lived with Leanne's parents for a while, my wife's Leanne. And we were actually living at the entrance to the GA grounds. So, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't say much. I actually, it started off that uh, he was on to me saying, you know, do you want to go down and do a bit of training? So I think in 2013, I probably trained with him a couple of times. And in 2014, I just joined him. Um, and uh, I know it was absolutely fantastic. I no regrets about it all. Delighted I'd done it. And I had a couple of great years there, to be fair. There, there's no animosity leaving your club in Limerick? Uh, look, there was the people were as was a bit disappointed, but my club in Limerick, they were really a hurling club. Um, there was very little emphasis put put on football, even though we had actually some great footballers. I mean, back if you go back to the the early two thousands, there was a pile of uh, footballers that were we say close to the underage panels, or you know played on Limerick intermediate teams and everything like that. So we actually had great football, but the first love was always hurling and groom. I mean, uh. Right, really drove me mad when you go from an inter-county level, you know, your standard, uh, the training, the warm-ups and everything like that, to uh, you go back to your club at the time, and sometimes they'd be playing header, headers and volleys before the game and the warm-up. <laughs> 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 Take it seriously. I mean, and uh, we were an intermediate club, like, but even even at that level, and there might be two or three training sessions a year, like we just get to the county semi-final, you know, we, we'd get very close. I mean, I, I always say if we had actually concentrated on football, we'd have made a serious crack at senior level. But, you know, it didn't didn't happen at the time. But, yeah, look, we there, there were so much lads they were just more interested in hurling, really, at the time. Is that the case probably across all Limerick? Um, football is kind of the ugly, ugly sister in comparison to the hurling. It is well a lot in a lot of Limerick. Now you go to you go to West Limerick, which is you know heading towards the Kerry border which would be, that, that's where primary football, and that's where, I suppose, a lot of the county players actually come from, from West Limerick, and that's where they have through the years. Um, like, a lot of the, there, be, there would be a lot of, a lot of hurling in West Limerick, but there'd be, a lot of them would be um, intermediate and junior clubs, while, while a lot of football would be in senior clubs, so it's just, uh, just, the, way, just the way it was, the way it's always been like, but uh, it's, it's it, look, I um I've nothing against hurling at all at all. I mean I love I love watching hurling and everything like that. I wasn't much good at it, but uh I, I enjoyed watching it. And uh I suppose that's the, the Limerick Limerick's first love was hurling and is hurling and probably always be hurling for the foreseeable future anyway. Yeah. And what about yourself growing up then, John? Obviously um, you said you played basketball. Did you did you play any rugby as well as the football and hurling? Uh, I think I played rugby in school. I played school rugby. I think I played uh, junior cup. Uh, I think you now I I suppose look the only reason I suppose I was dragged into rugby because I was always big. 
and uh, do you know the Des Harty was a teacher in uh, Arts Greece where I went inside Limerick and um, I was a big fella and he convinced me to play rugby for a year or two. Same reason I got into basketball. Um, I was big too, I was, I was always tall, so I was dragged into basketball as well. But uh, I, my coach, Tommy Heher there at the time in, in school of basketball, really pushed me and pushed me on. And I ended, up, I ended up actually, for an awful long time, basketball was by far my number one sport. Um, I played I played junior men's on the Irish team and everything like that. Um, which would be, junior men's would be under 18 at the time. So I played the Irish team at that. Um, Travelled, went to Germany, went to Andorra with them, and I suppose I I always love basketball. I just uh, I've I've for basketball, and I actually one thing one thing I suppose really is when I was underage, my club was uh, under twelve. I was barely making the team. I was just a big fella thrown in there. Um, even when we went to under fourteen, you know, when I was the under, I was only under thirteen, but playing under fourteen, I was making the team. Um, a couple of years of playing basketball. I was I I went from I tur- turned inside out turned into you know my 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 football skills went twofold as my basketball skills increased as well uh, by under sixteen I was getting calls to county team like so it's amazing how you know it's amazing how how one sport can make you a lot better than other sport too yeah there's definitely that trend like you can translate skills from numerous sports like look at even boxing, football, like you can take something from every sport. But I suppose, John, did the, uh, did the AFL ever appeal to her? Did they ever come calling? Um, no, they never came calling. I suppose I was, uh, I suppose, look, it's, we, I, we didn't, we were never going to get enough publicity in Limerick to, to come calling. But uh, I'd always, I, I'd be straight up, I would love to have given something like that a go. I know an awful lot of Irish players go down there and it just you know they don't make it. Um, it's it is a different sport. It's hard. It is hard to convert. I know a lot of the skills are the same, but uh, actually enough. I mean, I was I love sport and I would love to have tried professional sport. And I think if you ask anyone, you know, they'd love to give professional sport a go. I oh just out of uh, can you do it? You know, how far can you push yourself? How good can you be? You know that kind of way. Um, you know, do you know what I'd like to like to have been in Australia and so far away from home. And all those kind of things, but I'd love to. I'd I, like. I'd love if GA had gone professional for a year or two. I just love to see how good it could be. Just, just, just out of curiosity, really, more than trying to make money. Yeah, be well. That's a that's a huge argument there. You're you're opening a can of worms there, John. Oh well, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying you can make GA professional and give fellas, you know, a ten thousand year and uh, fully concentrate <laughs> on that. But you know, it is naturally enough. You'd love to see, you know, just. Like, I, I, you always wonder, you know, that uh, we go out and we play a hard game on a Sunday and, you know, you're talking about trying to get a recovery session Sunday evening or Monday morning or something like that and then get to work. Why, like, the professional rugby players, soccer players, like, they have Monday off. You know, you know I mean, mm. I'd, be, I'd be on the farm on Mondays after a game on Sunday and be crouched, crouched over, you know, need to hold my body tight, bruised, battered after, you know, a tough game the day before. I was just thinking it would be great to just sit at home and just relax for the day, you know, and it's something like this. But, you know, that's, I don't think that's ever going to happen in the GA anyway. I don't think so. Were you able to play basketball and uh, inter-county football all year round, or did you have to choose one for a certain period of time? Um, to be fair, everyone, all my managers were very fair to me, and uh, I played basketball all year round. Or sorry, I played both sports all year round. So the basketball season would have started in September and finished in March. So I would have a, you know, a, a two-month period there where there'd be a, a clash in games and stuff like that. Um, 
and it was it was tough and I suppose it depended on the game at the time which whichever was the most important game at the time basketball or football that was like we say if we were playing basketball and we were fairly high up in the league and we weren't under pressure I could play football but if we needed that game I'd have had to concentrate on the basketball or if it was a basketball semi-final or I have played I have played a football match at three o'clock and spun down the road as fast as I could and played a basketball match at seven o'clock many many a time lots of times I remember we played a league game up in Waterford one day I, I, I can't even remember what year this was now but uh a friend of mine drove me up, or we played league in Longford, sorry. And a friend of mine drove me up. I played the first half, and he I left after that to play a basketball match in Castle Island that evening. So that was, which was you know four hours on the road. I can't remember the time, but uh, yeah, it was it, it was hectic, and I suppose it was I I I suppose I loved it in the sense that I um I hated I, I was I I missed basketball for one season, um. But going back in January after doing nothing for four months was just painful. At least I was, I just always felt I was fit all year round. Even though it's like, I'd find going back to football really, really hard in the sense that uh, basketball is real sharp stuff. It's, you know, very short while football was longer distance stuff. And then when you went from football back to basketball, it was really hard again to change, you know. But you had, you had a certain level of fitness there the whole time and just kept me going. I don't know, like this... Fellas that winter well and all that, I couldn't come back from that. Like if I if I if I, if I winter too well, I, I just I'd be done. <laughs> they say they say a basketball preseason is the best preseason for getting fit anyway. Yeah, I've, I I I found it fantastic. Like you know, I mean, no, as I said, basketball is different. I mean, look, when you, I as well as you're you're playing a basketball season, and uh, you're on you're on your court, you're indoors, and it's really quick, and you're wearing runners and everything like that. While when you met, when you went back to football in February, you were out in the piss and rain. The ground was soft, you know. <laughs> I mean, the first night there, your legs weren't able to take it. But I was definitely in a much better place than the fellas hadn't done anything in four months. You know, that was the way, that was the only way I looked at it. I was still, I was still able to stay at the top of the pack. Is the main thing. That's the main thing, yeah. And obviously, growing up, underage success you had was under twenty ones, probably in two thousand. Your your biggest achievements. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, and I mean, that's, you know, I played minor with Limerick and I um, wasn't even going to play under 21 that year. It was Liam Kearns came in as manager um, and I was I was big into basketball at the time. Uh, we had a very good team playing Super League and uh, look, I don't know, between, he, he rang me four or five times and I said, you know, I'd go. So, but it's amazing how, you know, how, how much that changed. And I think it was that under, 20, under 21 success that really, pushed on football, not just for me, but pushed on football in Limerick as well, like, you know, so I, I mean, a lot of what happened after that was based on that, that under-21 season, that under-21 team, so, I mean, that was, that was fantastic, I mean, look, we were beaten in the All-Ireland final, but we were beaten by a, we were beaten by a superb Tyrone team, I, I can't, I can't, I think 11 of them went on afterwards to win All-Irelands, like, I mean, you know, it was, it was, we were going, I know, we actually, just, uh, I think we were down a point or two points at half time, and uh, we had a move from the throw in uh, for the start of the second half. And everything worked out full forward. In the, it was a ball into the full forward, got the ball, and uh, he rattled it off the crossbar and must have came out 30 yards. And Tyrone went down the other end and scored a goal. You know, there's, you know, and, and that changed the whole game very quickly altogether, you know, as well. So, there's, I suppose that's the um, G A is all about ifs and buts and what ifs and whatever like, you know that, that's I I've I've so many of them through my through my career it is it is it is amazing what could have happened. 
Yeah, that's sport. Liam Kearns really seemed to, to drive you guys on down below Limerick. Yeah, I mean, um, I suppose okay, he was the first uh, guy to come in that was going as that was going it was there to like I suppose for years it was just put a team together, a couple of training sessions, play a championship game. He was the first guy to come in and said, you know, there's footballers here and we can we can do something with them. And I mean, he was he was he was look. He, I, I, I've huge time for Liam Kearns. He done mass things, but he was—I I don't know what kind of language I can use here—but he was one tough bastard. Like, I mean, <laughs> he—you he, know, people talk, you know, the Jerlock Nan and things like that. But I mean, he—he he ran the absolute hell out of us. I mean, we ran hills <laughs> and everything like that. And I suppose, you know, it was—it was a completely different times. And I don't know if you even, you even get players to go through what you know we went through back then. But it really, what it really done was just bonded the team. And I mean. A lot of those training sessions were really on the team. It was like we're not. A lot of it was based on we're not going to let him beat us. We're going to keep like we're going to keep going up the hill, down the hill, up the hill, and let him roar away. And we're not going to. But a lot of it was don't show tiredness, don't show pain. Just keep going, bite your lip, and let we we, we will beat him. And we bonded that way. And I think that's what, besides the fact we were super fit, but we had a, a super bonding there and. The, the team are very close and very tight knit, and we really fought hard together. And like, to be fair, that team we, we didn't have the most fantastic footballers, and no, there's no doubt about that. But for what we achieved with that team, was you know we we definitely achieved above our level for for the footballers we had at the time. So talking about some of those um, big games and um, in the early 2000s, which is the most their finals really rattled me the most? Uh. The most defiance to write me. I suppose. Look, there's, there's, there's always the, the one in the Gaelic grounds where Dar O'Shea caught the, caught the ball over the crossbar when we were going for the win. Yeah. I suppose that was, that one was really disappointing. It was in the Gaelic grounds and was in Limerick. But really, what I find really disappointing is the following week we went down to Killarney in the replay, and we went up seven points at the start of the game, and they levelled it by half time. Do you know that's. That that hurts me more than the other game where we were, you know, it was nip and tuck the whole way through. Like it's just, you know, how how you could let a team, you know, come back from seven points out. Now they did get an, an extremely dodgy penalty, but uh, my my issue with referees is another another day another day altogether. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I mean, just just things like that are, I suppose, like a nip and tuck game where we drew. I suppose I I can get over that. Um, a game where we were, we were up seven points and just let them back into it that is that is what really um really i suppose it's hard it's hard to take i suppose something like that but look they were they beat us um they beat us by two points down in clarney that year like i mean this is just just the level we were playing at and they beat us by two points and i think dublin was the next closest team to them and they beat dublin by eight points on the way to the all Ireland. Mm. you know so they were look they were a superb they were a superb carry team like at the time you know so i mean it's hard to take away from, but I suppose anyone can be caught on the day and just disappointed we didn't go. But I suppose the, the the one down in Clarny would be one where any time you're up seven points and you lose a game, it's always going to be uh, the biggest disappointment. But it was, look, I, I look back in regrets and you know what happened. But if you think about uh, where Limerick football is now and where we were back then, and you know where it was before that, I can't remember how many people there. I think it was thirty five thousand people in Clarny and thirty five thousand people in Limerick, like. For me at the time to be going out two weeks in a row with thirty five thousand people playing like that was just huge and the the buzz around Limerick at the time was massive. I know we didn't win it and it's always going to be disappointing, but like for that for for Limerick football that was just 
absolutely massive at the time and a massive occasion. And I, I, I know we lost them, but I always look back, look back at them with fond memories that we were there in the first place. Yeah, we we talk about that seven point game and Kerry come back into it. Are you, do you think there was a bit of a in the Limerick players' minds like Jesus can't believe we're seven points up here against Kerry and nearly freeze a little bit? I there there is I and we like we actually had uh, uh, I'm terrible for names now. We actually had a sports psychologist with us at the time, and uh, he he was he was excellent. But I and I can't remember can't remember what uh, what exactly we did and stuff like that. But I know we've gone through all those situations and tried to talk him out. You know that if we do get a lead, and it was if uh, if Kerry got a lead, or you know we 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 done everything we could to talk out those situations. Um, so we had tried to work on it, but there, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely something in it that you can't, uh, you, you, you can't change. I suppose if it just shows like Kerry were seven points down, I don't think it phased them that much, you know, while, you know, seven points up probably phased us more. No, I will, uh, the only thing I will say, I mean, it was the first time I saw Kerry, they were seven points down and we were completely on top of them that they, they were doing a lot of fighting with each other. And I'm not trying to knock Kerry or anything like that. But we definitely had got at him, you know. There was a, a lot of bitching and roaring and shouting at each other and things like that. And I think we had we had broke him. They and uh, they just got a goal. All all they needed was that goal and the turnaround in their mentality from that goal, just you know, changed everything for them, you know. So I I, I suppose they they were more trained for it. But like uh, you you know you're you're talking about mental mentalities in uh 2010. We were uh, down seven points against Kerry. Uh, I can't remember what was on the clock. I, was, I can't remember what was left. Anyway, we scored one four in five minutes, and we couldn't score another point after that. And I, I that is what always, you know. And I think that you know is a more a bigger example of a mental block that we were actually down seven points. We were we were back level, and now the most important thing was we we, we stay where we are. Instead of, you know, when you're such a balls on and such a lift, you should be able to kick on and, you know, score two or three points on top of it. But um, we had, we, I mean, actually had one or two chances after that to score points. We didn't get them. But I don't think anyone scored for five or six minutes after that. And they actually went off and got two points in to, to win the game in the end. But that is definitely, that, that, is, that is definitely a mental thing there, how, how, how you can score. I never understand it, but, and I was playing, how you can score one four in five minutes or six minutes, whatever it was. And not score again after that is just—I don't know—I I, I don't get it, and it's completely above my pay or pay, pay grade for sports psychologists <laughs> to look at. That's, but it is something amazing that fascinates me. There was a great um, rivalry between yourselves and Kerry at that time. I know I read a lot of the players, Thomas O'Shea, Tom Cooper, come out and say that they had massive respect for that Limerick team. So you obviously definitely got like they obviously respect you as, as a team. Yeah, I suppose it's all right to say, you know, did massive respect. And of course, we'd massive respect for, for Kerry as well. But um, I, I suppose look, we, I, the only time I ever beat Kerry was, uh, and I can't even remember what year it was, in a league game um, in Limerick. Um, so it is always going to be, it's my, I, I, I'd love to earn that massive respect by beating them rather than have that massive respect by giving them close games. You know, and I, I know we did, and we always worked hard. And I suppose we like definitely in the early times we were we were always you know just talking about Kerry. We had um we had superb backs and we had a great defensive system. We were able to we were able to hold teams to very low scores, but we just couldn't score enough at the other end. And I suppose that's that got us that got us a lot of respect. That we were able to we were we were a big physical team and we did hit hard and hit fair as much as we could. But um 
yeah, as I say, you're, you're saying about respect. I, I, I prefer getting respect by beating teams rather than uh, moral victories. No, fair enough. You, you, must, you must have had some great battles, though, with some of those carry midfielders. Which ones do you remember in particular? Oh, well, sure, look, I mean, uh, I, I suppose... That, it's amazing, you know, you, you, you talk about sports psychologists, like, you know, the, the other side is when you're going to play in Kerry, you need very little sports psychology to, like, get, get you uh, psyched for a game. I mean, uh, I was going to play in Darrow Shane those, those, those years, like, and, I mean, you didn't need any motivation, you know, you were, you were, you were going to play in one of the best midfielders in the country, and I uh, loved it. I, uh, and I suppose it was a completely different time as well, in the sense that uh, it was me versus Darrow O'Shea, like, the kickouts were like the goalkeeper at the time. It was about kicking the ball out as far as you could. And for myself and Dara, it wasn't about break. No, you didn't break the ball if you weren't going to get there. But we, we were out, we were there to outfetch each other, you know. And that's what I loved. It was two fellas going up to try and catch a ball over each other. And that was, and it, I, I, it's, it's something I miss. Like, as I, even when I was younger, I loved it. You know, I think it, uh, the art of uh, catching high balls is absolutely fantastic. And a lot of that has gone out of the game. And, uh, but I, uh, that's what I loved about playing the likes of Dara O'Shea at the time. You know, it was you're you're playing the top fella, and we were going out to try and catch the ball. Now, to be fair, I don't know how he got away with some of the things he done to me. Like I got some <laughs> amount of belts off the ball and stuff like that. And I, so, you know, he did uh, two games actually. He got two. He got red cards. He got red cards two games. All right, but uh, I I still I still question the ref there how he did, how he got away with some more of them. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, like he hit hard. I remember actually. I, I, this is only just stories. Remember, I remember the the throw and went, and the ball was saved, or the ball bounced, went over that way, went about twenty yards away, and I went to go for it, and the first thing I got was a slap across the back of the head, a punch across that back of the head, right in front. This is like game on ten seconds, right in front of the referee, and he gave me a free. <laughs> if I turned around, if I turned around, and hit Darrow Shea, I was getting a red card. You know. So. <laughs> I always, I, I always questioned. I, I, I always questioned how you know the if, if I had turned around and hit him. No, I didn't. And because uh, we were, we were always warned about you know uh, playing it cool. But um, I uh, always wonder if I turned around and hit him, but I got a straight red. But you know, I suppose the big teams get away with these things, and we've seen it down through the years, and that's just the way it is. But uh, it kept me awake in the end. <laughs> Between the, the the slapping and the the dodgy penalties, I can understand why you're not too fond of the referees. Yeah, well, I, oh my God, if the referees' decisions over the years that uh, have cost us. I mean, uh, actually, the year, I don't know, I'm talking about referees' decisions now, but uh, the year um, we lost, and it was in 2010, yeah, we lost to uh, Kerry, and we got drawn against Cork in the qualifiers, which would be the round, it was around just before the quarterfinals. And uh, I can't, it did, this is in the first half anyway, I actually got a ball, I turned to go through, and I was pulled down. And the referee gave a free out. And I what? asked the referee what the free was for. And he said, I dived. Right now, as, when, he, when, he pulled, when he pulled me down, I actually immediately got up and tried to keep going towards goal. I, this is only like, uh, this is inside the square now. This is, this is inside the, the Cork square. So he gave a free out, another, uh, the usual thing. Another word out of you, um, it was go- I was going to get a fucking yellow card. But then... Um, a couple of minutes later, I remember Shawnee Buckley, another fellow Limerick player, drove through. And as he went to kick the ball, he was pushed in the back. And uh, I think actually the ball ended up hitting the crossbar. But it's just... When you see him on the Sunday game that night and they're looking going, how did the referee not give him two penalties? 
you know, and it actually, they beat, Cork, that Cork team beat us in extra time and yeah. Donovan won the All-Ireland. <laughs> Do you know? So, yeah. it's uh, just uh, the little things. So, yes, I have issues with referees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come here, John. Do you think the, uh, the new rules with the marks in midfield and the advanced mark, is that going to, would you prefer to be playing now with that or, or, well, yeah, I would. I, I suppose I would in a way, but I suppose the things have still changed. I know they're, they're using the marks, but like compared to, it's, they're still, the, the, the keepers are still trying to place ball into space and paddles are trying to get in there. Mm-hmm. That's what they're, they're still doing. Yeah. I suppose my, my, my game, and I, I don't know how I'd even get on in the game these days, like, because it's midfielders have changed. Like, midfield, like when I was playing, it was about being tall and strong and, you know, hopefully be able to move some bit like but now midfielders you know six feet midfielder that's athletic and has to be able to move so fast to get into the space so I think it's, it's a different game I, I, I don't think it's I, I don't think it'd be my kind of game I still like to go back to the old traditional way of keeper drives the ball out 70 yards and you know we'll see how we get on like and we're hoping to you know win 60% possession that way rather than you know it's all short kickouts and you're trying to win 90% of possession John, I think you'd be fine these days. I wouldn't be too worried about it. Yeah, well, maybe in my younger days. I, it's amazing how, uh, you know, in, in my last few years, how, you know, the legs go and the speed goes. And, you know, when you're, um, when you're chasing after a fella that's all on the ball and he's still getting away from you, you know, it's time to, time to retire at that stage, time to go. So. And when did, when did you decide you were going to retire? Was it before the, like, was it a couple of weeks before you decided? Or was it, did you say to yourself, this is my last season? Uh, I suppose I don't like the season. My the season before was my last season, and so when I went back again, it was definitely my last season. I I knew I was I was going, I was going at that stage. But I suppose really, like in 2011, I done my cruciate. I uh, came back again and done my cruciate again. Um, it was my second game back in 2012, and really I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna call it a day then. But I suppose I just. It was only freaking myself. I just wanted to prove that I was. I wanted to get back to a level that you know I didn't want to walk away at that. And I said I want to go on my own terms and stuff like that. But uh, I never. When I went back after that, I was sure I was thirty when I went the first time. Kind of thirty two when I went back playing championship again. Uh, and I played for two years, but uh, I was nowhere near where I was. You know, and it, it, it's hard. It's hard. Then you know, you know, you visions yourself of. You know, like I, I, in 2010, I had an absolute amazing season. And, and you know, I was absolutely flying it. And uh, that's, the, that's what you envision yourself. And all of a sudden, you go back two years later, the speed is gone. Legs are gone. Your, uh, your game sharpness is completely gone. You know, and I, uh, I didn't enjoy my last two years, to be fair. You know, I just, uh, I wasn't where I wanted to be. Even though, I, was, I, I mean, I was really trying hard and I was giving it everything I could and I was training hard. But uh, I just wasn't the player I wanted to be, really. You mentioned you were flying in 2010. Obviously, you gained promotion that year. That must be some some fill up for the boys. Oh yeah, yeah, and like it is, it is fantastic. And I mean, uh, we had we had a great year. Uh, we were look, we were as you said, as I said there earlier, like we were we had a great year in the league. We were very unfortunate to look. We were beaten by Cork in extra, in extra time, and they went on and won the All Ireland. You know, we were beat. As I said, we were. We were giving Kerry a great game. We were seven points down against Kerry. Came back and leveled it, and you know, just we just things things were go, things were going well, and it was a great year. And uh, you know, as disappointing as it was in the end, you know, when you're beaten by the All Ireland champions, you know, it's you know, it's it's easier easier to take. And 
I suppose we had we had a great buzz going into the going into the following year. Just um, unfortunate uh, what happened to me, and I mean I I, I thought I won't call it a re- it's a regret, but it's a disappointment that like in 2011 they went on to play in the All Ireland quarter final, which was the first time Limerick ever got to play in All Ireland final, and I wasn't there. No questions over. Uh, did I get there because I wasn't there? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I was still, I, I, I still, still awful disappointed. Like I was there, I was uh, doing water boy, uh, which was, you know, it was tough to take. You know, I was, it was, I was on the sideline for such, such a big game, historic game for for Limerick, and I know they were, they were beaten well by Kerry in the day, but just, just the occasion I missed it, and it's hard. That was hard to take, and actually, one thing I learned from that uh, when I went back to second year, and I done my cruciate again, uh, I refused to be water boy. I couldn't take it. I uh, couldn't stand on the sideline. You know, I uh, I went to the games all right. I watched them, uh, hard watch games on the sideline or hard watch games in the stand too. You know, but uh, it's it, it, it's amazing. You know, when you were so involved and so involved with the players, that just being water boy just wasn't for me. I just just this disappointment, I suppose, really more than anything else. It's amazing. It's off the topic there. I can't even remember what topic we were on. <laughs> no, it's it's amazing. Yeah. You get to the quarterfinal, and then you're put up against Kerry again as well, which is annoying. You don't really get get away from them at all. <laughs> no, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, sitting down watching the draw, and you're on. You, you, you know, you're watching, going, I know we're going to, have to get Kerry. You know, and I know it's still, I know it's mathematically it's still, you know, possible you get anyone, but you're just saying, I know, I, I just have a gut feeling we're going to get Kerry and you know, you know that that's just the way it happens. And I suppose it's kinda I I I you know, the draw at the time and things like that, but I suppose you by right you shouldn't be able to be drawn against the team that you lost in the yeah. month of championship already. You you ideally like, but look, that's the way it is. And if you want to the if you want to win the All Ireland you have to beat everyone anyway. So I mean you know, that's just the way it was. It was, look, it was still a massive occasion. It was still great to get to the All-Ireland quarterfinal for the first time, too, for Limerick as well. Do you think if Limerick got over the line in one of those big games, one of the Munster Championships, kind of the, the future of Limerick football could have, could be a lot different now? Uh, I do think so, yeah. I, I mean, we'd, we'd, like, I suppose everything needs, everything needs promotion and, like, the... That getting to those monster finals promoted the game so much, and but as you said, like if if we'd if we'd won it, we went to an All Ireland quarter final, you know, and you know you, you don't know, and like I mean, as I said in two thousand and four, we were we, we were beaten by Kerry, who went down and walked the All Ireland. So who says we couldn't have got into a quarter final and a semi final even, you know, and it would have been massive for for Limerick and a massive promotion and. It's, it's look, it's hard to know, and and look, it would have been very hard for. Limerick for the football to take over, take it, go ahead of the hurling, but it would definitely promote it um, as much as it possibly could. And maybe if you've got a few more players, then you know you'd see the the benefit like that was two thousand and four. You'd be see looking at the benefits of it, you know, in the last couple of years. You know, some of those players might have come true. I don't know. It's hard to know, but I, I suppose it definitely wouldn't have done any harm on you. No, because you could just even as you said, see the crowds that matches. I remember was it. The 2010 qualifier against Cork when you got a penalty and and the uh, late point as well and the crowds in the background everyone jumping up and down madness like it's great to see like for Limerick football you wouldn't get half that crowd now in a match. Oh no, you get no like I mean crowds be tiny now like but you get uh, nobody I, at the moment but. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah but I suppose I always you know sport sport in general is very fickle. Uh, now. I I I'm talking about early 2000s now. I think it was 2000. I think probably 2004 as well. 
where we were, yeah, it was 2004. We were playing Division One football, and uh, there was massive crowds at all the games, you know, and it was huge. And we were, uh, we played Kerry in the league, some some of the league matches as well, and uh, huge crowds, huge gatherings. But then the, two years later, we were, I mean, just how things changed so quickly. We had got relegated, and we were back. We were gone from I don't know eight, nine thousand people at a league match to eight, nine hundred people at a league match. Mm. You know, it's people love to support winning teams, and I. I'm, everyone's the same. Everyone wants to support winning teams. So you need really to keep those numbers up. You need to be winning. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to see a losing team with high uh, high, high levels of uh, spectators, really. Like, that's just the way it is. You need to win games. No, that's true. Uh, uh, what about Limerick now, John, at the moment? I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you see going forward for Limerick in the future of football? Well, I hope... Um, I hope... Well, they're, they're, look, they're, I suppose... From from my era, all those players went. You know, when I was going 2013, 14, 15, that kind of team from we say, you know, the 2010 team, all kind of finished up around that time. Most of them anyway. And uh, it, it look, it needed Limerick needed a lot of rebuilding at the time, and they are rebuilding, and they are getting, they're making improvements every year. And there is, to be fair, um, a lot, a lot of the ex players. Are involved in underage development teams now, and there is an awful lot of work being done. And they look same as everything. It's, it's we say those underage development teams are going on for the last four or five years, and it's going to take a bit of time. You know, you're not going to pick up a team, you know, in one year. You know, you're you're, you're trying to pick up two or three players every year, and that's the way that's the way it is. So over next, you'll be hoping over next, you know, three or four years there'll be massive improvements in in football. But I suppose. The other issue is a lot of the other counties are doing it too. So, uh, like I mean, there's there there was a lot of work done in Tipperary and things like that as well. So, but I I would hope that you know over the next couple of years they would would have a team that would be able to compete. But it's like the the, the big problem with football in general is that uh, I suppose the strong teams have gone so far ahead. What what is going to happen? Like I mean, are Limerick ever able to go and to get to Kerry's level or Dublin's level? You know. Is that, is that going to be the problem going down the road anyway? Is there always going to be the top tier of five or six teams and everyone else is kind of competing below it? Yeah, exactly. How about yourself, John? Would you be interested in doing a bit of coaching? Uh, what I mean, to, I, I, when I retired, and I won't name clubs, I've just done a couple of sessions with clubs here and there, but uh, I don't have the patience for it at all. And I, not Not... Anything like that, I suppose. Uh, I I just I just find it hard to tolerate things that I would see as common sense that other people don't seem to be getting. So, and uh, I, I I completely understand. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. You you're you're a perfectionist, John. And when someone does something fucking stupid, you're like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, you know, and you're, I, 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 I do have a, a certain level of patience, I suppose, or tolerance would be my word, but uh, I can't take it for very long. Um, so, uh, and like I see, as well as that, I, I was a couple of clubs I done too, and uh, I suppose fellas being late. You know, you're there. You're there at a session. You have a session session set up. Fellas being late. You're told there's going to be 22 fellas there, and all of a sudden you have 14. Do you know? Um, just wouldn't be able to. I suppose going from a county level to a club level then as well. And, and you know, to be fair, when I played with Limerick, like it was a very professional setup, and I was very good. And 
I just couldn't I couldn't couldn't go back to tolerating what goes on in club level at the time. Now I know like I suppose it depends what club you go to and like I mean it'd be different if you're at a club level up in Dublin, I'm sure it is, you know, or down in Kerry it is different. But uh, I just I done a couple of sessions and I said, No, it's not not for me. And look, I'm farming as well in time. It's I just don't have the time for it really as well. But uh Yes, so not not as the stand as coaching as me. If if I calm down in my later years, you never know what I do, or I could. Be, or look, I have two kids, and eventually, I presume they're going to play football, and I'm sure I get roped into training some team in practice as years goes on. To I was going to say, there's no way Mr. Collins is going to let you away with the kids uh, playing football and you not being in coaching with them. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure at some stage I'm going to have to take on uh, some some few sessions, but. Uh, one uh, one of the the older guy is uh, Jesse. He's not two till twenty third of October, so and the young guy is only six weeks. So I have a bit of time before uh, they reach kind of <laughs> under sixes or under, under eights, whatever whatever level they're going to start at. But uh, I definitely whatever whatever I don't really care what sport they play. But it's one thing that I would definitely push to. You know, I try loads of sports, but I definitely get involved in sports. I find it I found it fantastic. And I, as I said, I you know I was, I was playing basketball up a couple of months ago. I find it absolutely brilliant. But uh, I suppose the other thing you have to know when to retire, I probably stayed that bit too long. <laughs> this is, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, well, I was actually, this is completely off the topic, but you know, you're wondering when, when should you retire? I, it was a county semi final for Crackdaw um, two years ago. I can't remember who we were playing now, I'm forgetting, but my sister was at the game with her daughter, who would be my niece, who was seven at the time. So I uh, was out and playing and my niece turned to my sister and said, how come John only walks around the place? So, <laughs> so at that stage, when my sister told me that after the game, I like, we got into the county final. When my sister told me that after the game, I said, right, if that's what you were looking at, it's time to go. <laughs> what was the answer to the question? <laughs> yeah, the, my, my sister just, didn't say anything at the time, but the answer, the answer to the question is, I was probably, for me, from my point of view, I was running around like a freaking lunatic. From her point of view, it looked like I was walking. So I, the answer to the question was, I was 38 or 39 years old and I shouldn't have been there. So. Your, your retirement was announced the next day. Yeah, soon after that, you know, but uh, as well as that, Jesus, when you get older, I, uh, when you t- just a little knock is so sore and takes so much time to heal, like I, I hurt my hamstring. When I was second twenty, I've been back a couple of days later. This went on for six weeks trying to get it right. Like you know, so yeah. at some stage you have to go. One thing I actually meant to ask you earlier when you were talking about it is is being a farmer and uh, inter county football at the same time. I mean, how do you how do you juggle the two? On top of playing uh, basketball as well. Play basketball well, yeah. Well, I suppose I suppose basketball was good in the sense that uh, basketball was generally played at night. So generally training would be, you know, because it's gym, generally training would be half eight and things like that. Football are, was a different thing altogether. And only for the fact that I actually farm with my father and my brother, I wouldn't have been able to do it at all, doll. I mean, uh, and I, even, even if for the level that's required now, I don't think I'd even be able to do it at all, doll. Like we were, back then we say we were training three nights in a game on a Sunday. So like you're always rushed for me to train. We, we could train on a Saturday morning when, you know, at 11 o'clock, which means I need to be covered there. So, uh, as I said, my father and my brother were great and put up with an, an awful lot at the time to deal with it. But uh, now, sure, you're expected, you know, you're, you're if you're not training tonight, you're supposed to be in the gym tonight. You know, you're supposed to be gone every night of the week. I mean, it's a young guy's game anyway. I mean, 
I, I don't think there's going to be too many fellas able to keep that up for more than six or seven years. Do you know, I mean, especially if you have uh, a wife or a family or anything like that. I mean, I have enough trouble as it is at home trying to <laughs> trying to spend enough time with them. Not to mind if I told them I was going to be gone training or playing football or gym, whatever, seven nights a week. It just wouldn't happen. So yeah, it was uh, it was tough, and I managed it. As I said, it was only support to my uh, my father and my brother that really got me through that. You're making up for it now. Well, I'm trying to. <laughs> well, to be fair, my father, my father's in his seventies now, and he's slowing down. So I, right. I, I, can cover, I can cover him for a couple of years and try, try and do what I can anyway. Yeah. <laughs> one, one last one for me, John. Um, best player you played with and best player you played against over the years. Best players I played with. Uh, I, I, I played with a lot of good players, but I suppose. I mean, uh, the the player I will always remember was um, John Kwan because I suppose he was he was a midfielder when I when I came in. His name was Maximus. He was just uh, an absolute beast of a man. He was just he was a farmer as well, actually, and he was just you know he was just natural natural born strength and just uh, like I tell you how how big and tough we considered John Kwan back then because we were playing a real touch a real tough uh, training match between ourselves one day. And a ball, I'm kind of drifting off topic, but the ball broke, we say, 30 yards away. And myself and John Kwan tore, went to run after the ball, but I hit John Kwan's shoulder and I knocked him, right? This is in the middle of the match now. And I just had to stop and laugh because I just couldn't believe I was after knocking John Kwan Maximus. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that, was, uh, that was, you know, the type of man he was. It was just, it was unseen that, you know, something like that would happen. And I, I, I know it was a bit of a match, but... I uh, he was definitely the, definitely the player I had uh, most regard for, and I mean, I played with him with his latter latter of his career, and he was fantastic. He was strong as knock, so I definitely wouldn't take away from him. No, I'm not taking away from a pile of other great players that I I did play play with as well along the way, and I'd love to have taken the 2004 team and the 2010 team and mashed them together. And I'm, I'm sure we'd have won in All Ireland, but uh, that was that that's another issue. Um, the best player I ever played against would. Definitely have to be Dara O'Shea, probably, you know, midfielder. But uh, I love playing against Dara O'Shea, and, you know, it was, uh, uh, it, was, it was always a great occasion to play against him. But the toughest player I ever played against was actually Dirk Quinlan from Clare um, because I hated playing against him. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, those players, like, he's just, like, he was about, I don't know, he's probably four, four inches shorter than me, but he was just, you know, he was a, a built like a block. He was strong as an ox. And I think he knew that I was going to outfield him. So when you were going up for a ball, you knew he was there 10 or 12 feet behind you and he was just going to make a run for you and he was going to hit you with the, 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 try, the, the back of the, you know, you know the, he's going to hit the ball with the fist, but the elbow was going to follow through into the back of your head. And you're, you, know, you, knew, you knew there was a bruise that come up from behind you somewhere. So, uh, and, uh, so that, was, that, was, that was the toughest player. I never, and I suppose a lot of time he played clear, we played we played at Leclerc a lot of times over the years, and uh, a lot of the time conditions. It would have been in March, it might have been a wet, miserable day, and all of a sudden you have to go up and play Jerk Quinlan, and you knew he was going to play. So. <laughs> there's, there's definitely dark art being a midfielder, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it's tough, but uh, ah, look, it was. I I I I loved it. I loved the time. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I never I never looked back with uh, any regrets of it. But uh, well, I I, I you know. I know you're you're probably trying to trying to get rid of me now at this stage. Not at all. Uh, Not at all. <laughs> there's uh, we've we've an old WhatsApp group. Uh, sorry, it's all retired football's WhatsApp group. You know, 
And it's amazing what fellas remember on these WhatsApp groups. Like, you know, uh, so I thought that we're speaking of that um, 2010 Munster final and I got a goal. Uh, we were down seven points and I got a goal, right? And I actually got the point to level it, I don't know, a couple of minutes later. And I thought, for years, I thought, fuck, it was great to get through and get that point, right? But uh, a fella on the group took out a clip and showed me the clip of the point. And what he actually showed me was, when I went to kick the ball, two carry lads rushed for me, he'd slipped behind and was wide open. And if I passed the ball, <laughs> no, no way he couldn't, he could not have got, he couldn't have but got a goal. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, things that you thought were great for time, you're going, do you know what I missed? If I had passed him the ball, we'd have been up two points. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're the reason why Limerick have won a Munster. It's all my fault. It's just things like that, or even I know I'm talking about myself a lot, but uh, the first point I got, I got the first point that that game as well, and I actually hand passed it over the bar. But uh, Stephen mm. Kelly actually showed me a clip that I could have actually passed it to him, who he was tearing through on my right, and he'd have been straight through for a goal as well. So I actually. Score, I, I gave up the chance of us scoring two goals in that game and we could have walked away with it. You heard oh it here God. first. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, some, some lads have trouble sleeping at night then I'd say if they're still pulling up WhatsApp clips from 10 years oh, ago. No, this, is, uh, this is what, this is what uh, all retired footballers do, you know. I mean, uh, <laughs> we, we, gen we generally, uh, uh, there's uh, 12 or 14 of us in the group we generally meet up once a year and go for dinner around Christmas and uh, a couple of drinks and we talk about what happened 15 years ago like it was yesterday. So, I mean, just, it, it's, a, it's a great laugh every year. And uh, I mean, generally the same things are talked about every year, but it's great to remind of all these things. And, you know, whatever you are, you'll always be brought back down to earth. You wouldn't get a big head at one of these things anyway. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I'd say there's more than just a couple of drinks, huh, John? Yeah, well, you know, we're, we don't know where this is going. <laughs> oh, brilliant. John Gannon, thank you very much for that. That was brilliant. No bother, Mike. Sound, Ross.